this is a free download from um, Lancy Leland Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Lancy Leland Church building. At the banks of Southampton's, the Majemala Lions of Guernsey. Contact us or find out more information about us. Please visit our website at I want to talk about the withering hand. The withering hand. And it's Luke chapter 6, and it's verse 6 from there. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find accusation against him. But he knew their thought and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise, stand here. And he arose and stood. And Jesus said to him, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good, to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. And when he looked around at them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And as he, and, I, and, it, and he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Amen. I love it. Okay, when we read this, you know, we're not actually told how this man kind of caused his hand to wither. Or we know that his hand had some way kind of maybe come inwards and his hand had just dried up. No power in it. Uh, just shriveled up. Absolutely of no use. Now get this picture. Man, hand shriveled, no power, no effectiveness with that hand. You know, the Bible speaks about a lot of things about the hand in the Bible. The hand in the Bible represents authority. The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Isn't that wonderful? In a place of authority. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel your authority has withered. It's almost as if the devil comes at will. You know, things seem to so easily overwhelm you. Things that you, you felt you could so easily stand against before and things that you seem to be able to resist and, and stand against. It's as if you don't feel you've got any inner resources to stand against all the challenges and all the things that life is thrown at you. It's as if your authority has withered. Now, I think one of the things that God wants to bring real power revelation is the authority of the believer. I think sometimes we can live our life as if we are the devil's doormats, as if he comes at will, and we somehow lose the sense of the ability to stand in authority. Kenneth Hagin, he, he talks of a story in a meeting, and he's in this meeting, and he has a picture of a devil, just, a, I think, some devils in the church. And he says, Lord, what will you do about that? And God says these words to him. It's not what I will do about it, but what will you do 
about it. And we need to see the authority that we have as believers. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And I think we need to raise up to that authority. Let's quit being the devil's doormat, if I can use those words, and not allow our authority to wither. Because that word came and it fits in. Rise up in our hearts and say, Lord, this morning we rise up in authority. Give me a revelation of the authority I have in Jesus' name. The authority that I have. The Bible says Jesus never just gave the disciples power. You know what else he gave them? He gave them authority. Sometimes we focus on the power and we lose sight that we have authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me and I give that unto you. And I think there's certain things, the truth is, that God will do nothing about. He expects us to rise up in our authority and take command over that situation. You say amen. And also in the Bible speaks of praise and worship. Psalm 47. Psalm 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, O you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is, I love it, awesome. How many found that, you know, this, this word awesome isn't some new word we've created. It's right there in the Bible. It's awesome. It's great. He's mighty. And I think if we really want to see the glory of God really be released, we need to see and recognize the power of praise and worship. And maybe this morning, your praise is withered. It's not that strength in your praise and your worship anymore. There's no passion in it. There's no sense of, of, of desire in it. And we can so easy in worship just go through the motions and lose the passion of worship. And maybe this morning, your worship, your praise is with So powerful that prayer. We don't worship according to, to our traditions. I've learned more and more, we need to learn according to what the Word of God shows and declares. Is that right? The Bible speaks that we clap. We shout. There's, there's exuberance. You know, I remember once, and I, was, I felt such a heavy part of my life. And ever felt like that heaviness sometimes? Have you ever felt like a kind of heaviness over you? Ever felt that sometimes? Just over your life, and you just feel, oh, this is not a good day today. You just feel that heaviness. And I was, I was there praying. I almost, ever felt it's almost the last thing you want to do. And I'm just praying. And I just felt that God, God stir me and said, I want you to, almost this sense, I want you to run, to run and leap. Now, I'm by myself in the house. And so that's what I do. I run and I leap. I was taking a risk with that. And as I'd done that, as an act of, it was an act of praise and worship, something just broke. Something just began just to rise up within me. And I remembered the man... Peter and John went through. When he was healed, the Bible says he left and he praised God. The Bible says that God rejoices over us. In the Hebrew, that word there, rejoice, means to stand up, jump up, and turn around. So when God looks upon you, he leaps up and down and rejoices over you. And there's something powerful about praise. And that's why the enemy wants your praise and your worship to wither. The hand also speaks of healing. You 
shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Is that right? Sometimes through the disappointments and the things that attack our lives, sometimes we can have various things we struggle with. We can have them so long, we lose faith to believe that God can still heal. Now, our faith regarding the supernatural power of God to heal and the supernatural way of God, I've seen so many Christians, it can begin to wither. Our, our expectancy, our belief in God to heal through disappointments in life can so affect us, we get to a point where our faith, believing in healing, wither. God wants to renew that again, can say amen. Also talking, really, and speak of your capacity to work, your capacity to labor. And when he says that, that this man's right-handed withered, he was saying his life had been deeply impacted by what happened to him. He was not able to be all that he was meant to be. His potential, all that he was able to do, was affected by this withering hand. It was his right hand. You imagine, if you can't use your right hand, how your potential is limited because the hand is limited because it can't work, it can't do what it wants to do. Your whole life is often affected because the hand is withered. Maybe today, your gifts, your abilities, your ministries, that God put within you, your gifts and your calling, that God gave you to function in. How many realize everybody has a gift, everybody's anointing, everybody has an ability that God has given, a ministry everybody's God has given. And maybe because of certain things come in, that potential is withered. And the calling, the purpose, is not functioning properly. And I think God wants to connect you again to the ministry, to the gifting, to the purpose they put over your life. Maybe you kind of got hurt in life and you became disconnected from God. And because of that, your life can't demonstrate all that you know God wants to demonstrate through you. I was just thinking about this. That I just think with this man, that it wasn't just a physical thing. It would also have been an emotional thing. Now, it would also have been a, almost a, this emotional thing that, that caused him to kind of draw away from people. Sometimes if you've, you've got this kind of disability, you don't want to get around people. You, you're not sure how people are going to respond to you. And so you, you kind of disconnect yourself from people. And, 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 and there's almost a sense of shame there. So here's this picture. He's a man. He's in the house of God. He's full of shame. And he's not functioning as he Sure. I wonder this morning, has anything caused us to shrink away? Maybe to get a bit apathetic. Maybe to become passive. And we've withdrawn and we're no longer functioning and being all that God called us to do. What things can cause a life to wither? I just thought a few things. What about fear? I think fear, when it gets into our heart, can cause things to, to, to shrivel. The fear of failure. 
the fear of what people think about us. Every time you make a decision, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a decision of, out of fear. You're always worried about your past or your future, your children, fear of being rejected. Never witness, never step out for God because fear. And fear somewhere has got a hold of you, and the fear has caused a wither to come upon you. I think shame. When shame goes down to the human heart, it can bring about a real sense of withering in a life. Something happened in your life. You know, shame is a fear-based emotion that makes one feel unworthy and unlovable. You don't feel anybody could really love you, and you feel unworthy about everything you do in life. And there's almost this sense of condemnation and guilt that continually afflicts your life. And it's amazing when that really gets down deep inside your heart. I think when shame really gets down inside you. You know, one thing it robs people of is joy. You can't really experience the joy of God as long as you have a shame-based nature, the shame deep inside you. I don't think joy is such an important thing. I think we should laugh more and more. Can you say amen? Joy is such a powerful, vibrant thing. But shame is the one thing I think that can cause you to be locked up in the inside and, and you lose your confidence for living. You, you feel a, a sense of hopelessness because you just feel so locked up inside. Shame in your heart. Shame over your life. I think the next thing is, I think life's wounds and traumas can cause somebody to have a withered life. You know, it can come in all kinds of ways, but deep inside, you know you've got a wound in your spirit. You know you're not functioning as you should. There's a trauma that's withered the soul, a disappointment. We feel we prayed, we reached out to God, and nothing seemed to happen. And the grief began to set in your heart. It caused your joy to wither. You find it hard to rejoice and laugh and celebrate anymore because of what's gone right there. I think also it could be people who grew up with, with critical judgment, words that, that have withered their soul. And they're not functioning properly. So things were sold or told of you that said that you, were, you weren't good enough. You'll never make anything in your life. It could have come from a parent. It could have come from a person in authority. And those words have withered you. They've affected you. They've demoralized you. And it's caused your heart to be withered. Sometimes it can be the unresolved griefs, the, the disappointments, the offenses, the unresolved things. And those things just get deep down inside us and they begin to wither and affect our life. It could be unresolved sin in our heart, something we've never really confronted and something we've never really dealt with brought about a withering in our heart and in our life. And into the midst of a man who's withering in his life, not functioning as he should function, not effective as he should be, 
Not enjoying the joy that he should be enjoying. Not living the life that he should be living. Jesus comes on the scene. What was going to happen? Interesting, and that kind of struck me. That when he comes on the scene, there are people there who have a coldness of heart. Often, religion always results in a cold, dead heart. And they were cold, no compassion, no love in them, which had withered in their hearts. We've got to be so careful. It's so easy, isn't it? Our hearts can so easily get cold and hard. Great challenge for the Christian to keep your heart sensitive and to keep your heart on fire for God. None of us are immune from having a cold heart. Jesus comes into the midst of his people. His heart had grown cold. They knew the Bible. Most of them would have memorized the five books of the Pentateuch. Can you imagine that? They knew all the various traditions and ways. They knew the scriptures. They knew all kinds of history. But their hearts had grown cold. There was no compassion for them. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes. And look what he says to this man. This is what I love. Here's the first thing. He just says to him, it's simple. He says, come to me. Come to me. I went to him to number six because how you conceive God is going to be so important on how you receive from God. I think many people don't receive from God because they've got a faulty concept of who God is. And I talk, and probably every week I probably mention at some point, the goodness of God. And the reason why I smash that in is because a lot of Christians in their mind have no concept of the goodness of God. And because they've got no concept of the goodness of God, it limits their ability to receive from God. Is that right? I just love number six because he kind of, Jesus says, come to me. In other words, come and just observe me. Come and look at me. How do you observe Jesus? If you right now could, how do you think Jesus looks on you? If you could see his face, how does that face appear to you? Is it smiling? <sighs> Hallelujah, you know, really smiling. Or is it kind of a bit of a frown? Has he got a frown on his mouth? Is it a furious look? Is it an angry look? How really in your heart of hearts, I'm not talking in your head, I'm talking right now in your heart of hearts, do you comprehend that Jesus sees you? The way, the face of Jesus towards you. I love this one in number six, because this is, if you like, the face of God to you. This is the God, this is the Jesus, this is the God that you come to. Well-known thing, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In other words, that when God looks, it's a, it's a countenance of brightness. It's a, it's a, it's a face that, that's joyful, that really delights in you coming before him. And that is so powerful for us to see. And we've got to be preoccupied with him. 
We've got to center upon him. And when we're going through things, we've got to allow the brilliance of God to come upon us. Almost it's developing this ability to have a God consciousness. We're more conscious of our failures, of our mistakes, of our unrighteousness than we are conscious of God's goodness and mercy towards us. It's what you're conscious of, what you focus on, what you give your attention to. I've just found more and more, I just want to develop that conscience that God is there every moment of my life, whether I'm in the car and how I need him when I'm driving, can you say amen? You know, wherever you are, there's that sense of God, you're just conscious of God, that you're one minute, talk to someone, you've got one here to them and one here to heaven all the time. And you're developing through your whole life a consciousness of God every moment. In other words, you develop a consciousness that you are the righteousness of God. Almost the more you develop that in your sense of consciousness and you establish that in your heart, the more you're more liable to live that way. Can you say amen? And so it's coming with a recognition of the Jesus as he really is to you. Because if you see him right, then you're going to receive right. And he says, come to me and expose it. Recognize there's been a withering in your life. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it and say, God, I'm not functioning as I should function. I got disappointed. I got hurt. I got a bit bitter. And you just expose what cause the withering what caused that part of your being to wither what caused it what made it happen and it's facing that it's recognizing that opening your heart and saying god i recognize that was the point i withered that was the point that something got into my life and stopped me functioning as i should do i recognize it i i confess it I expose it, and I ask you, God, to bring it under the blood, to remove it, to deal with it, for it to go. I think there's something about allowing the blood of Jesus to bring a deep sense of cleansing, cleansing the shame, cleansing the guilt, Cleansing the unresolved things in our life that we've never really dealt with, that cause the withering. Just exposing it to God. Where did I miss it? Where did I step outside of the will of God? And the great thing about being in the will of God, it's being in the will of God right here and now. Can you say amen? And saying, Lord, that thing caused me to wither. And I'm bringing it to the blood. And I'm asking you to cleanse it. I'm asking you to deal with it. And I'm moving on with my life. Can you say amen? There's the next thing. He says, Jesus says to him, stand. That was the word that came earlier, stand. What's on the inside? Let it rise up in you. He's saying to this man, don't hide in the crowd. Don't conceal yourself. In other words, what God says to us, allow What's on the inside to come forth? After said, the real revelation we need is of what we have really on the inside. Sometimes we're looking for something out there. But all, ultimately, all that we need is actually, actually within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is that right? 
the glory, the crisis, the glory is within you. And it's learning to release what God has already put within us and, and having a revelation of all that we have within us. You know, all the resources of God aren't somewhere out there in heaven. But God has poured them right there within us. Isn't that wonderful? And we need to say, God, help me to see what's inside me, to arise, to allow what's in me, to rise out of me, to rise up in it. Love the story of the young boy. And he kept standing up. His mom kept pulling him down. He kept standing up. His mom kept pulling him down. He kept standing up. His mom pulled him down. He says, Billy, this time sit there and don't move. So he says to his mom, maybe on the outside I'm sitting down, but on the inside I'm still standing up. And we need to have that kind of attitude. That, that we're standing up on the inside. We're standing up and, and, and responding and and allowing all that God's put within us to flow out of us and move us and touch us and work through us. I think part of that is, is prayer. Part of standing up is learning to pray. I think one of the things the enemy is really, I think, really coming against so many believers in is creating a prayerlessness. And we've got to sort of say, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. With all that's within me, I'm rising up to pray. Maybe the reason why we have withered is because we've pulled away from a prayer life. And maybe simply, if we could get back to a prayer life, it's amazing how God, again, could stir up what's in us. Stirring up what's on the inside. If I'm going to touch on this, but I think God's put amazing gifts in us. There are people here who've got prophetic words. You've got all kinds of gifts that God's put in you. And the Bible says, stir up the gifts of God. Stir them up. Those things that have become dormant, those things you've not used for a long time, stir them up and use them again. Amen. It's amazing that when you begin to use the gifts and the abilities God has given to you, how oh, a fire burns in you. I find that more and more. That when I stir up the gifts within me, something that maybe is trying to wither and grow a bit cold, it suddenly bursts into flame in my life. Sometimes unused gifts, unused talents, unused abilities can cause a withering in our life. And so Jesus says, stir up the gift in you. Stir it up. Let it flow again. Let it move again in your life. Here's the final thing. He says, stand up, rise up. And the lovely goes on to say, he says, stretch. Think about this. He's a guy with a withered hand. He's got no power in his hand. He's got no ability in the hand. And Jesus asks him to do what he's incapable of doing. Something he could not possibly do. Isn't it amazing how God asks us to do things we cannot humanly do? Think about it. In fact, I found this. If I could humanly do it, then God often doesn't ask me to do it. Every single time God has spoken to me, every time God has revealed something to me, asked me to do a certain thing, it's always something I'm aware I cannot do in my own ability and my own power. I've often said the best way to test a God-given dream is this. Can you do it in your own power and your own strength? If you can, it's not a God-given dream. Because God will always give you something that's beyond your ability to do. I think often when we look at it, God says, I've given you an assignment that you cannot do. Think of the assignment, preaching the gospel to all the world, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, raising the dead. 
How many think that humanly that would be pretty much an impossible assignment? Is that right? Why does God do that? Because we learn to depend upon his we know we cannot do it without him. So we learn to become dependent on him. We become to rely on him, realizing that we have an assignment to do, and the Lord requires us to do the impossible, and the good news is his presence will be with us to enable us to accomplish it. Amen? Acts 10. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed by God. He went around healing all the sick, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Jesus comes to the church of Ephesus. And he says to this church, you're very busy with activity. There is no one as active as you are. You're the most active church around. But... There's been a withering in your life. You've withered. Because you no longer love me as you once did. You've lost first love. You're very active. But in your heart, there's been a withering. There's been a decline. You don't love me as you once did. You're in a withering condition. And he says this, recognize where you've fallen. Be honest about your condition. Acknowledge where you've moved away from me. And here's what he said. This is a strength. He says, do the things you did at first. In other words, stretch out again. Stretch again. Get back. Pray like you used to pray. Walk in love like you used to walk in love because before you came so cynical. Begin to Get back to the word before unbelief began to wither your life. Forgive like you used to forgive. Release people like you used to release. Witness like you used to witness. Do the things that you did at first. And here's the thing. Sometimes those simple acts of obedience cause God to stir and to work in us again. Stretch. Don't do half-heartedly. Do as you did before. Think of the passion that you had. Think of the determination that you had for a breakthrough. Think of the faith that you used to exercise. Remember there's times when you could just believe God for anything. Remember when you just used to love everybody? You thought everybody was so wonderful. You just loved everybody, and everybody was so wonderful, and everybody was so great. And, and suddenly you got a little hurt, and you got a little cynical, and now everybody basically is a jerk. That's sort of feeling because something's withered, something's neglected. Paul, Jesus said, "Come on, stretch again, stretch again. Deal with that withering. Stretch again. Act." And what God says, that's an amazing way to stretch your life. Smith Wigglesworth just simply said, if God said it, then I'll do it. Simple as that. And if you could look at that man, that was a simple key to his ministry. If God said it, he did it. He didn't try and reason it out. He didn't try to 
understand it first. And, and, and then when he's understood it, when he's kind of reasoned it out, he did it. He just did it in a simple act of obedience. And that's why that man continually moved and flowed in the power and the anointing and the fire of God. He lived a life on fire. And if you want to get back to basics, it was a simple belief. If God said it, then that's enough. That settles it, basically. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to do it. And I think the simple way to keep your life from withering is to have the attitude. Say, God, you've said it. I believe it. And I'm going to act on it. I'm going to forgive people. Not because I feel like forgiving people. Not because the pressure's on me to do it. I'm going to do it simply because you said it. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to do things from now on what your word says to do. And as you begin to act upon it, those areas of withering begin to fall from our life. Don't they? You, know, you know what the amazing thing is? That stretching keeps you spiritually on fire. It really does. Because God always takes us further and further and further. You know? And so we've got to keep stretching. If I stay as I am and refuse to move forward, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to start to wither. But if I keep stretching myself, maybe doing something I've never done before, doing things for the first time. Some work colleague or some friend comes along and says, oh, man, I've got a real, I've got a real pain in my back. What an amazing way to stretch yourself and say, would you mind if I prayed for you? You know, that is going to stretch you. And I found this. Every time you stretch, you'll release something of God's power and God's anointing in your life. Maybe to bless someone in some way. Maybe to to reach out to someone. Encourage them. Give them. Do something for someone that you've never done before. Every time you make a step of stretching your life, Every time, God's power, God's presence. Maybe to use a gift. Maybe you've never prophesied before. Well, maybe that's a good way for you to stretch. Probably shared before. I remember when I was at Bible college, actually. I, I actually remember, I, I, I convened the meeting. There's always somebody who's going to either do something, and I wanted control over it so I wouldn't be left to do it, sort of thing. And I controlled that meeting so brilliantly well. Just as about to close Somebody spoke in tongues. Now you think about it, all the kind of lecturers are there. I thought, man, I'm probably going to say something theologically incorrect and, and say totally wrong and make a complete idiot of myself. And I, all I had was two words. That's all I had. I just had two words. And I was just thinking, every, every, I was hoping somebody else would give it. Every, every felt a few seconds, seemingly eternity. They just seemed, nobody said anything. They just go on and on. And all I knew, I had two words. Ever felt and you feel bubble burst inside you and you know it's you. You know you, it's you. And you're hoping it's not, but you know it's you. And I remember just speaking those two words out. So all I had, two words. And suddenly all the rest of the words just began to flow. And I didn't, I didn't know they were coming. Just all these words were just flowing out. And that particular word that, that I gave fitted in exactly what the guy was preaching afterwards. And there's something about stretching doing something, moving beyond our comfort zone, if you like, moving beyond what we feel comfortable with that causes us to experience God in greater ways and greater measure than we've ever known. There's a thing. 
Maybe you're here. You think, you know what? I can see there's been a withering in my life. Some aspect, some area. And God says simply this. Rise up on the inside. Recognize who you are. Expose. Reveal that part of your life where, where it's withered. Then begin to stretch out again. Stretch out. Let God come. Let God work. I just want you right now just to say, Lord, today, I want to stretch forth. I want to not allow any part of my being to wither. But God, today, if you touch this man's hand that's withered, would you touch that part of my being that's withered in me? Just invite the Holy Spirit into those areas of your life. And say, Holy Spirit, just come. Cause there to be a new, a, new, a stirring on the inside of you. Just stir, remove. Cause me to function as you called me to function. God's got amazing things in your, for you to do in your life. Refuse to be a person that settles in that kind of compromise. Say, Lord, come right now. I need your touch. We need the touch of Jesus, don't we? And as he touched that man with that withered hand, I believe this morning he can touch you right where you are. He can put a fire in you that will touch the whole of this island. He can put a he can touch you in such a way that what is withered just actually, instead of becoming your weak point, can become your strong point. Just rise up on the inside. Say, Lord, I'm coming to you right now. Touch me. That point in my life, right? Just touch me now. But I've withered. Cause me again to be powerful, anointed, full of your spirit full of faith, full of expectancy, full of praise and worship. Help me to be that kind of person. And what is hindering that from functioning, Lord? I just bring it to you now. Just touch it right now. You just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, I, we just come before you right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place today. We thank you that you know every single thing about us. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would cause us, you'd stir every part of our being. Lord, help us to, to be all that you've called us to be, God. Touch our hearts and touch our lives. Lord, move upon us, I pray, by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, put a fire in us, a mighty fire that would burn with such ferocity, that would burn with such power, that will burn with such a strength, God. But Lord, that we would be so impacted because of what you would do in us. Holy Spirit, just come and touch our hearts, touch our lives. Just reach out to him right now. As that man stretched out his hand, you just stretch out your hand to him. Say, Lord, come. Come and touch me, Lord. Come and touch me. Come and touch me in you. Come and touch me afresh. Oh, Jesus, we need you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.